Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for following Jesus. My name is Tony and I'm your host. If we haven't met yet, I've been in the local church for over a decade and now I serve as the Director of Leadership and Discipleship for Spirit and Truth, a nonprofit that walks alongside the local church. And today I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend and uh, Pastor Bill White. Pastor Bill has got a brand new book out called Mature-ish, Your Mission from God should you choose to accept it. And what I love about this is that it really casts a vision for disciple making. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. We talk about what it means to be spiritually mature. We talk about uh, his experience in the local church. He's got such great wisdom. I know you're going to love it. And if you do love it, leave a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify. And the highest compliment you can give us, share this episode with a friend. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you for being a part of this conversation. And now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Pastor Bill White. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to be here with a longtime pastor, communicator, and author, Bill White from Miami, Florida. Pastor Bill, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure. Looking forward to it. Uh, so I was, I was getting to know your story a little bit, and you have quite the breadth of experience um, and one of the questions that I love to ask people from a macro sense is how, how would you describe the call that God has placed on your life? Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. I, the first word that comes to mind is personal. It just feels very personal. It has my name on it. Uh, don't, uh, it's, it's like, um, my call is to be obedient and faithful in uh, helping the church stay real and relevant for the coming generations. I mean, it's it's kind of unfolded over time, but it seems like that's what my the expression of it has been transition. It's it's been help the church stay relevant and real and stay fresh in the middle of it myself uh, through the transitions. Is that what you're asking? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. I, um, I ask a lot of my guests this question because I like to kind of see where they're coming from. And, uh, you're the first person that's ever said personal. I I really like that. Mm -hmm. I like the idea that, that the call that placed on God's are that God has placed on our lives is unique to us. And I think that maybe that's something, um, that often gets missed. Now you, you said something in your answer that really sparked my attention and it's, it's stay fresh. Mm. So you've been in the church for, um, at, at Christ journey church for 25 years, over 25 years now. Um, how do you stay fresh when it seems like all of the pastors I know, Mm. um, are wrestling with burnout? Well, Staying fresh doesn't mean I don't wrestle with burnout. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I just crave it even more. <laughs> um, but it's daily. It's the daily discipline. It's the daily cross. It's the daily um, seeking and um, and persevering. But I, I have a saying. Actually, it's in the book. It just says, first light, first choice, seek first, time with the king. Mm. And, um, and so that's a practice that I follow every day 
that I have a, a spot set aside where I know the Lord is already up and waiting for me. The Bible is open. The light is on. I never turn the light off. The Bible is never closed. I just expect to meet the Lord there every day. So that's one of the practices. But but it's really not simply about discipline. It's about hunger. It's about mm. craving. It's about um, the abiding and the trusting and the... It, and it's also about paying attention to what matters and not the distracting discouragements everywhere else, including within my own soul. You know, those uh, echoes that rise and then ask me if it, it remind me that I don't have what it takes to make it. That um, that I will become a statistic, and that those kind of thoughts haunt me. Um, so I'm very thankful for freshness when it visits me and mm. not just, and it's not an it, um, you know, the freshness is a person. It's, it's the person of Jesus Christ and the presence of his Holy spirit that does that refreshing that, um, that we absolutely must have. And, but I'll also say this, it's, it has been my, how do you stay in any ministry for 28 years. I've been privileged to serve this church and the Lord here in South Miami for, I'm in my 28th year. And when people ask me that, you know, what's the secret to a long-term pastorate? It's like daily faithfulness. I just want to be faithful today. Today, I'd, I'd like to put my head down on the pillow tonight and feel the smile of God's favor from saying, well, I didn't get it all done and I, I'm sure I didn't do it all right, but I've been faithful today. Hmm. I was, I was in the local church for 10 years before um, making the transition to spirit and truth and um, doing the work that I'm doing now with disciple making. I, I'm curious, just with the amount of experience that you've had, um, how do you classify what the church experienced in COVID? Oh, man. That's a big question. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it was a, uh, it turned everything inside out. It, it yeah. shook it, it shook the sheets, it shook the tree, it, um, it shook the foundation and um, kind of shoved me back into Psalm 91 and Psalm 46. You know, if the earth passes away with the shaking thereof, then there's still a river that makes glad the city of God. You know, be still and know that I am God. So there was, for me, there was a, a redefining of, um, of productive productivity or of success. Um, it's one thing for me to say, well, success is being faithful every day. And then when all the other accoutrements of success are suddenly shriveled <laughs> and go away, then is being faithful enough? Well, mm. the answer is yes, but that's what happened to me. And I think that for a host of pastors, there was a lot of soul searching on, uh, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? How will I keep doing it? And, um, and how do I know I'm succeeding? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually one of the reasons why I'm really excited about this new resource that, um, that you have out maturish, um, because I think one of the things that I saw in my own church and in just a lot of pastors who I was talking to is that, 
it seemed like for the last couple of decades, we taught people how to come to church, but we didn't teach them how to follow Jesus. Mm. And I'm curious, um, I'm curious, how do you define in, in the book, how do you define spiritual maturity and how do we know if we're mature? <laughs> well, ish, ish. Is right. how I it. <laughs> it, you know, it can be slippery. And, and when you try to measure it, how do you measure it? You know, I've, I've seen measuring tools like on uh, improved more moral decision-making, mm-hmm. or I've seen measure measuring tools on harvesting and bringing in a haul of fish. What does that look like in the net? Uh, but the maturity that, that really the experience um, brought to me that then wound up in that book is um, an experience of an increased capacity for God. Mm. And that comes from the prayer of Paul in the letter to the Ephesians, chapter three, that amazing prayer about, you know, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That that benediction that just kind of nails it. The verse right before that just Oh my goodness. He says that if we come to know the depth and the breadth and the length and the height of the love of God, then he says that you might be filled to the full measure of God. What Mm. does that mean? I don't remember ever sitting in that and soaking in that and just looking around and trying to imagine what does it mean to be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. And so I came out of that saying, wow, being made in the image of God must mean that I have a spiritual capacity to accommodate God in his godness, whatever that means. And I think that's what Paul is talking about in that prayer. So regardless of what happens in the world, regardless of what happens in, you know, the economy, in the everything, you know, what can happen in me and in you? And then Paul was envisioning in every person that would ever live and connect with the love of God in Jesus Christ, something can happen that will increase your capacity to experience and house and facilitate God, Hmm. which suddenly means that, hey, you know what? Receiving the gospel doesn't just mean going to heaven someday when I die. It means having God's life come alive in me, born again, and then start growing in me to the point that my capacities increase. And, um, and so I started seeing that theme in the letters of Paul. It says, you know, though the outward man perishes, the inward is renewed every day. And I came to discover that um, the Greek scholars that I do my background work with said that that was a new word from Paul. It never appeared anywhere in the ancient Greeks, uh, this whole idea of becoming younger on the inside every day, this constant refreshment renewal on the inside. And I thought housing God is part of what, what it means to be made in the image of God. And so having that image restored in Christ and then allowing his spirit to start enlarging and expanding our capacity. And now suddenly eternity got a lot more interesting to me. 
because I'm not just going to be on streets of gold. And though I'm excited to be about what God's business is, I'm going to be more excited to be known even as to know him as he knows me. And that, you see what I'm trying to say? That whole, yeah. that whole mystery started just drawing me in. And so that's what it means to be mature-ish, is to keep experiencing the next level of the capacity that God will be bringing to your inner life that your outer life will not, cannot keep from happening. So, so some of my listeners who, who've been super faithful over the years have heard me talk about this idea before. Would you compare this kind of to um, entire sanctification? If we could use a, a Wesleyan term, I, I come out of a Methodist tradition, right. but that idea about like uh, my, my insides decreasing so that my, um, so that I could be more like Christ. Is that, is that a similar, or am I, am I, am yeah, I not nuancing I, it enough? I, I think I, I offer some hesitancies in the book because this isn't about idolatry. I am not becoming God. I sure. am not suddenly going to be fully Christ-like. Um, my, my background is more in the, the Baptist vein that says, um, I struggle with my sinfulness daily and I will not be freed of it until the ultimate consummation. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I am saved, justified from the penalty of my sin. I am sanctified from the power of sin over time, but I won't have that full freedom of complete sanctification in my understanding until <laughs> I'm in his presence and glorified. So I think there's some, I, I don't fully understand the concept of entire sanctification, but I think what I'm talking about is allowing the Holy Spirit to redeem and sanctify my emotional life, yeah, not simply my moral decision-making life. And sometimes sanctification in the Baptist tradition seems to communicate uh, a kind of sinless perfectionism mm. that doesn't resonate with Scripture to me. Um, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. Not moralistic, self-righteous gotcha. Pharisee yeah. <laughs> that depends on my, my doing, but an experience of the depth of growing and knowing God on the inside. And so maybe that's what entire sanctification means, and you can help me understand that. Well, the Wesleyan tradition has a lot more gray in it <laughs> than 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 a lot of other denominations. So I think it's close, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I think it's it's probably and there's smarter theologians than me out there who would who would better describe it. But it sounds very similar to my basic understanding of entire sanctification. Mm -hmm. um, that basic idea that um, that Christ is working in us and expands our ability to love Him and love others yeah. more because of said expansion. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's, it's, um, it's, I, they're, they sound pretty close to me. And, and again, if somebody wanted to cut hairs, I'm sure they could find a thousand of them, but <laughs> there's somebody, surely there's somebody listening right now who's on a treadmill or pushing a lawnmower and they're like, yeah. okay, pastors, what does this have to do with me? So, right. so let's answer that question yeah. for them to, to the average person who just wants to follow Jesus a little bit more closely. What does this have to do with them? Um, try to imagine. Don't well first try to imagine not settling 
for just wanting to follow Jesus a little more closely. Mm, <laughs> Try true. to imagine the fullness of God bodily in Jesus Christ, and then through his death and resurrection, the atonement, being made at one in a growing way of your experience with his fullness. Um, so try to imagine God drawing you close personally in a way that you can consciously commune with in a daily way. And then those promptings of his spirit, um, whispering to you or guiding you, gently nudging your heart. Um, when you open the scripture, the book comes alive. Um, these are probably not concepts that we haven't encountered somewhere before, but the idea of whatever has stalled your progress or wherever you're stuck in the journey, imagine that a breakthrough coming that takes you to the next level. So instead of, instead of coming in and saying, well, Jesus, I just want to get a little closer to you. Say, uh, Jesus, I want everything you have for me. I mean, mm. life is short. Life is so short and YOLO, you know, you only live once. Right. And so this, um, this opportunity is here so that we can access all that God has in Christ for us and through us so that his mission then is accomplished in his world. You know, Wesley did say, the world is my parish, right? Yeah. And so God wants us to just dream large this that you can be a world influencer, not because you're trying to be grandiose, but because you're staying as close to Jesus as you can, and he is enlarging your capacity. And as you walk with him into his plan for your life, then God's mission is going to be fulfilled in an eternal way. And so then when you get on the other side, then we will discover that eternity was built with time in mind hmm. that, you know, so I'm thinking of other movie lines that talk about, um, you know, what we do in this life echoes through eternity gladiator. Sure. Yeah. Braveheart saying, uh, you know, all men die. Not every man truly lives. Well, that's what this is about. This is about defying death, not just physically, but allowing him, his life to come alive in you in such a growing spiritual way that you become the channel and the presence and the, the, the hand of God reaching wherever you go. So that's the, uh, actually the, the process is, is um, into the upper regions of the school of the age and stage development is about mentoring and multiplying and being that kingdom agent wherever you go as a Christ follower. Yeah. I, I love that. And, and it's funny how, you know, this idea about the fullness, it, it, it can also just like, I don't know about you, but it gets me really hyped up. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, put me in coach. I'm ready. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to take? I don't want to miss any of it. I don't want to miss any of it. So like, what are the first, what are the first like practical steps? If somebody's like, okay, okay, pastor, I want to live into the fullness of life with Christ. I'm ready to start growing and maturing. I'm ready to expand my capacity to build the kingdom of God. What am I doing 
today to start that process? Um, you can't fast track maturity. Mm, that's good. You can't microwave disciples. You know, it, there is a process and all progress happens according to a process. First, the seed, then the sprout, then the stem, then the leaf, then the fruit. And so um, the, so the first thing is you got to give yourself permission to be where you are, to be who you are, and then to let the husbandman, let the gardener, let the, let the Lord of life, then get to know him. And then his life will start expanding your life. So it's not about transaction. It's more about yielding to transformation. So over time, being intentional, disciplined, committed, and, and well, you, I mean, I thought Yielding. you said it really well, being obedient to the prompting of his spirit. So it's, what we're talking about is building a, an intimate relationship. Is that right. simplifying it too much? And learning how to say yes. Hmm. You know, learning how to say yes. Yes, Lord. I mean, when you sense him prompting you, when you see him leading you, then instead of arguing, you say yes. You learn how to say yes. Well, what do I do when I can't say yes? Well, I tell the truth, Lord, I'm not willing, you know, but then here's what I learned how to pray. I'm willing to become willing. Mm. <laughs> so I'm going to get to yes. And so the, the prayer of the heart of Jesus modeling for us, how do we stay yielded as continuously as possible? He taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, you're the king, you rule over me, the kingdom of, of, of my life is under your authority and sovereignty. Hmm. But he also taught us, then thy will be done. So that's say yes on earth in my lifetime as it is in heaven. That was the model prayer. And then we see him modeling it for us at the hardest part of his life in Gethsemane. You know, let the cup pass from me, but, but wait a minute. What I want <laughs> is yes. I want what you want. And so learning how to pray yes, learning how to say yes, learning how to live yes with God is key. The, it, the yes of faith that just says, I want to know you. I want to let go of what's behind, reach forward to what's ahead. I want to know you and seize the prize for which you seized me. You know, the... Paul's letter to Philippians, but it's about knowing him first and foremost. And then he's the one as he prompts us and we respond. Our yes is his love language. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Pastor Bill to remind you that Spirit and Truth is a 501c3 nonprofit. That means that you have the ability to partner with us as we partner with the local church. If you'd like to get connected to our Substack subscription or get our blog or get connected to a firebrand or a theological magazine, all the different ways we walk alongside and equip the local church, check us out, spiritandtruth.life. That's a beautiful saying. Our yes is his love language. That's Guys, that might be worth the whole podcast right there. <laughs> because I, I I think I think so often we forget that this this call to be faithful is a, it's an action it's an action movie. It's not it's not a a, a standstill movie. It, it requires action. H how do you know and you called it the prompting of his spirit. I I love that line. How how do you know 
that it's God's voice and not what Bill or what Tony wants to do. Cause I, I know that I'm, I'll talk myself into some really bad decisions. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes since the, the tempter and the accuser is speaking through my voice, I'm, it sounds like, Hey, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, <laughs> right. who knows better what's best for you than you, right? Why don't you listen to me? I'm talking to you. And it sounds like good wisdom because that's my voice. And I think that I've got some things worth listening to sometimes. Um, but that's part of the growth process. That those learning the nuances and then learning how to lean in to um, to start filtering, you know, testing all things and then holding mm -hmm. on to what's good to um, to learn how to lean in and say, well, Lord, if that's you, you know, this, the prayer speak, Lord, your servant's listening. How do I learn to recognize his voice and then lean into it and invite him to turn the volume up? Because I want to I want to say, yes, Lord, I just want to. I want to be careful that it's you that I'm saying yes to. So uh, one of the guidelines that I suggest is um, the written word of God, obviously, getting to know his written revelation because the stories of others on the journey is like a channel marker that help us know where others have passed. The, the living word of God is the Holy Spirit. And he will quicken or he will make alive. He will bring to our remembrance the uh, truths that will take us into freedom. And then the other channel marker on that, on that path is the incarnate word of God, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus himself. Yeah. So when I have a prompting that doesn't align with scripture <laughs> or doesn't reflect the fruit of God's spirit, and doesn't lead me to find Jesus in the future, then chances are that's me about me trying to be either more religious so that I can, you know, um, appear to have it all together and be farther along than somebody else, um, rather than walking humbly with Jesus and, uh, and allowing his truth, his word of truth, his spirit of truth, and then he is the truth. And those three align to help me know and filter whether or not those are just my ideas. And of course, then there's also the community of faith um, that in the process, you start discovering as a newborn, as an infant, as a toddler, we need the food of God's spirit, the food of God's word, and the community to love us and set that table for us. But then the next levels up uh, from childhood, preteen, and adolescent, that becomes more like equip me. And so like mm -hmm. you already said, my faith has to take action. There are actions involved. It's not works righteousness, but it is collaboration. There's God's part and there's my part and God's part is initiating and my part is responding by faith and obedience. And then as I start building that spiritual muscle and engaging as a warrior in the battlefield, that spiritual adolescence, then I start discovering the secrets of adulting, being a spiritual adult, adulting my life, and then moving into it's spilling over into others through being a spiritual parent, a grandparent, and a godparent, so that now my life is multiplying and mentoring others. 
Yeah, I love talking about spiritual parenting. So let's jump into that a little bit. Um, obviously, you're, you're a pastor to a, a really large congregation. You've been there for a long time. I would imagine that a lot of people want to get on your calendar and would love to have you speak into them, would love to have you walk with them. You know, one of the things that we talk about here on the podcast is disciple making as we, we when we walk alongside someone in their journey of faith, it's rooted in scripture and it must be multiplied. Mm. And so I'm curious, kind of two questions. Uh, what does that look like in your life currently? And how do you decide um, who the right fit is to walk alongside? Because time is limited. Yeah. Um, well, I was taught to always look for fat, hungry people, you know, yeah. <laughs> faithful, available, teachable, and hungry. And, and they have a way of finding you. And mm. if you're, if you pay attention while you're teaching and then training, and then you create opportunities for those who would like to, uh, to advance the kingdom and grow in their spiritual life, then that's that's what I typically have done, and then offer opportunities for a more small group expression, experience of it, and then even in that say, you know what, I think this challenge right over here is something that you're gifted for that you could you could make a difference with. Would you be willing to try that out? And it looks to me like your GPS, you know, your gifts, your passions, and your skills, your GPS lines up with this opportunity. So why don't we try it? And I'll, I'm here for you. I'm here with you, but you, you do it and then we'll check in. So it's a, I, you know, the thought that was coming to my head was it's like trial and error. Mm. Um, I don't know. We just have to give ourselves permission to, um, to move out when we aren't certain and then watch where God shows up right now. I'm preparing a message on, um, on the second missionary journeys of Paul. And you know, the outset of that trip was full of some difficulties. First, he had difficulties with um, his traveling partner, Barnabas. And then there was John Mark that they thought was going to be great. And the first time around didn't work out so great for Paul, but Barnabas thought, oh, he's worth another chance. And then Paul said, well, then you take him and I'm going to take Silas. And, you know, so it was a, it was a difficult um, real time, real life, real human experience of emotional messiness, and then the conflicting desires of uh, give them a second chance, or no, the intensity is going to be so hard that we got to be able to depend upon each other. I think, you know, some of that tension was going on. And then as they launched out, Paul and Silas, they tried to go to like two or three different places, and God said no. So I think you just got to give yourself a chance, give yourself permission to uh, learn as you go. Does that make sense? Is that yeah? No, that's fair. That's perfect sense, and I, I think it. Um, I think it reiterates the relational message of what we're talking about because relationships are messy, you know, and we're all trying to do this together, and it's tough, and people are. You know, I, I'm sure you've said it or heard it said, you know, the church would be perfect if it weren't for all the people. Yeah. Yeah. Ministry would be easy if it weren't for right. all those people. Right. And then I also relate to the guy, I think it was Moody who said, you know, I've never had more trouble with anybody than myself. Right. Well, Amen. The person I'm looking at in the mirror is somebody that I'm still like 
really? Come on. So I, I, um, I love this spiritual growth and, and spiritual maturity ish kind of approach. And yet I'm also acutely aware that it, um, it's not, it's not clean. It's not fast. It's not, uh, super scalable initially. Um, you know, and, and I, I look at the landscape of the church and, and this might be just super nerdy for two guys who love the local church, but if it's just me and you, that's fine. How do we change the culture of a program driven North American results pews in the seat church world? Yeah. It's gotta be one life at a time. It's gotta be one group at a time. It, you know, um, it's got to be house by house, just like the gospel traveled in the Roman, yeah. early Roman world. And you move with the movers, you, and then you let the others feed as they will. And um, everybody, you know, you got to, just like even Jesus, he would feed the 5,000. We say, well, that might be a weekend experience around here. And then but he poured himself into the few. Yeah. And so, and even among the 12, there were three. And, um, and then when it came to doing the advanced work in new communities, the 120 perhaps got sent out, you know, I'm not sure how all that worked, but it, it was scalable, but in a different way. Yeah. And instead of uh, locking God into, to programs or buildings, the way that we've inherited, Part of that is learning how to let go of what isn't facilitating the heart of the mission, life to life, person to person, house to house, family to family, and then be be willing and able to adapt, to pivot, to what's the what's the word today? Be agile. Yeah. To, to stay in step. So it's we're in for some challenging days. The the institutional church as we've known it needs to be reinvented, re-envisioned by the first century church, by the mm. ministry of Jesus. There's some people listening, I know, who are um, who are leaders in their local church. They, uh, they're lay leaders, they're elders, they're, they have a voice. Um, if you were going to speak to them for a minute about how to shift and encourage their pastor to think more relationally, um, I, I'm curious if if you could maybe give them a word about how to lead well into to fostering spiritual maturity. Um, the first goal is always to love people. Yeah, and to love people means that you we have to listen and learn people. So usually, you know, preachers are always asked to say something, and so we always feel like we have to say something, hmm. and it's better for us to have something to say, right? <laughs> Amen. But we're always put on the spot. But how do we learn how to have something to say? Well, let's love. Let's set out to love first. And then let's, and how do we love? Well, we got to listen. We listen in to the stories. We listen for what's not being said verbally, but for what's perhaps being communicated emotionally. And then we learn. And then we try to reframe the conversation so that we can say back, uh, what I think I heard you say was, and then we understand. So we got to learn how to listen and learn how to love and then help people feel. Uh, one of the ways we're saying it now or, is that we we want every 
person connected in our family, our church family, to feel known mm. and to feel needed so that they have a meaningful contribution to make, but they're not here to do a task. They're here to be known and to be loved, to be um, cherished, to be engaged, to be connected, to be seen. And in these days of isolation and polarization and, and all the craziness out there that wants to come in here, and I don't just mean in the institutional church, I mean trying to cloud our heads and and entangle our hearts. It's more important than ever that we as pastors just love your leaders, love, listen, learn, and uh, find ways to let it be personal and caring. I, I don't know how to, to parse that out beyond that. It would be give yourself permission to start where you are, yeah. let it be small, you know, don't despise the day of small things, um, but tend the seed. Um, and we're watching for the weeds. We're also observing the thorns and we're trying to clear them out as best we can. But it's one person at a time, one life at a time, and then seek to live with integrity in your in your growth at the same time. And um, one size doesn't fit all. Every church is going to be different, Right. Every every dynamic of decision making and governance and power within a family system, within a group, within a church, is going to be different. For so we've got to move in, bringing a truckload of mercy and front loading forgiveness. You know, forbearance is really forgiveness on the front end. You don't wait till somebody offends you to use it. You go in preparing to love people before they ever get a chance to hurt you or offend you. And, um, and so what a day for pastors to need to lean hard into the forgiving grace of Jesus, but then be willing to express it to others. And I, I just finished a message uh, last month in the current series we're on about, um, about forgiveness and leading with forgiveness that um, that Jesus shows us that you don't have to wait till somebody apologizes if they ever do. But on the cross, the very ones that were offending him, he was saying, man, Father, I'm going to lead with forgiveness. Mm. Forgive them. I'm not going to let this get me stuck. I'm not going to let it have me. I'm going to lead with forgiveness. And um, and then this was the the... This occurred to me years ago in the ministry, but I know people have had to apply it to me. When Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, um, it occurred to me that the only time anybody, you know, because you say, well, I'm not going to have mercy. They don't deserve mercy. They don't deserve to be forgiven. Well, the only time that mercy can be played is when somebody doesn't deserve it. Mm, that's good. Isn't that true? Yeah. It's the only time I need forgiveness is when I don't deserve it. Yeah. And so I'm going to learn how to be the blessing of mercy giving before the offenses come and then model mercy. And then so that applies here too. That's how community happens. We, uh, we give grace and mercy and forgiveness before it is required. 
that feels like a really good word for all of culture in this season or the last couple of years and just the tension of it all. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that this, this writing is not simply just uh, your thoughts, but this was part of a large kind of scale um, study put on by an organization called Gray Matter that was kind of part of this oh, yeah. process. And um, in the, uh, I think my notes have that, if I'm correct here, they, the, an assessment tool that kind of comes with this. And um, I'm, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit how important it was to kind of get to the research to help create something that was really helpful. It was, it was very valuable, Tony. Um, Ron Sellers was introduced to me by another uh, professional friend in ministry, Steve Blunt, who said, Bill, uh, and Steve, Steve and Susan had been uh, attending and participating with Christ's Journey online during COVID mm. and were um, um, intrigued and delighted, in a sense, when they saw the teaching series that I did called um, Maturish. And, um, and it was coupled with another one called Adulting. And then uh, Steve has been in um, the, uh, the kingdom service of providing curriculum and books, et cetera. And so he asked me, would I be open and interested in considering that? So that's how this, those materials came to be a book. But then as the book was developed, then he said, Ron Sellers with gray matter research could really help us help others listen to their own journeys through this self-awareness tool. Hmm. And so, uh, so Ron took a couple of, well, actually two or three attempts at it. And, um, and we talked back and forth about it and saw what the results looked like in it. And then he took it to a nationwide survey of a thousand plus people. Um, and, uh, and so the results from that, I feel were, uh, were very telling and compelling to me mm. in one way. It, it seemed, well, what if it's a, um, what if everybody winds up being a toddler, <laughs> right? And it's like, nobody wants to be a toddler. What, what does that mean? And, um, and then as the results came out, it, Turns out that in American Christianity, according to the study and the survey work of the research of these thousand plus um, respondents, that many of us, over half of us in American Christianity responded, um, have shown that level of engagement and development, which means to me, um, to my pride, it's like, no, I don't want to be a toddler unless I start thinking you mean I could have a whole new childhood with God? Yeah. God could refresh my experience and then grow me into the me that he would have me be. Mm. And I could begin again. I could, you know, so I started framing it. And then I started seeing it. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> You're not stuck in your spiritual childhood. Once you identify and become aware of where you are, but where you would like to be, then can you imagine your next level self? Can you see what God has for you? Well, maybe not, but let me show you, you know? And so learn, like teaching a kid how to ride a bike. See that bike, see that road, see those legs, see that. And then you help them get on it and take the journey. 
and they haven't even imagined one day what you know uh, a triathlon could look like but somebody who loves them believes in them mm. and can envision what all they could become is helping them step into their next level life and then at the heart of that this thought came to me their identity their truest identity so much of our culture right now is just captivated by who am i really you know what is my identity and right now in culture it appears that determining identity has been thrust upon each individual which is a pretty mm. big load to carry you know it's kind of our new idolatry is i will define myself and i will make myself and only to discover that i'm not that gifted i'm not that and i could be in error but what the gospel of christ gives us is our truest identity an image bearer of almighty god male and female meant to know god to house god to grow in capacity for god and to reflect and communicate god's character and god's life in this world in in every one of those uh, challenging situations and every one of the conflicting emotions and every one of the uh, oppressive situations you can imagine and then help others find their way to spiritual freedom so i'm way over talking but but that's um that's at the heart of it it's beautiful and i i think uh i know my community pretty well and they love to pray and so i'm just going to ask them to pray um for that new identity Mm. um for for the readers of this book and as they pick up their copies to pray for for that identity to be kind of um branded into their hearts and soul too. And, and, you know, I, I think it's a beautiful image and I, I, I love, love, love the mission. Um, now I have one more question for you. Uh, but before I ask it, I know that my listeners are going to want to follow you and what God is doing in and through your ministries. Uh, where's the best thing to learn all about you and the work that you're doing in the world? Hmm. Um, well, Christjourney.org is our church's address. And um, let me see if Vanya is giving me some help here on where we could check out. You have a great website, um, Pastor, Pastor Bill, Bill White. White. Um, looks like we're, yeah. <laughs> I should send people, shouldn't it? <laughs> so. Yep, PastorBillWhite.com. I've already been on it. It's a beautiful website. Your okay. team has done an incredible job. And uh, you can pick up your copy of the book there. So well, I got you on the assist, Pastor Bill. Don't worry. Thank you. Thank you. I had nothing but air. <laughs> <laughs> and you saved uh, my life. Thank you, Tony. I love it. Okay, last question I always love to ask people. It's an advice question. And I'm going to ask you to give yourself one piece of advice, except I get the name kind of the season of life that you're in. Mm-hmm. And so I want to take you back 28 years to the end of your very first day at Christ's journey. And uh, if you could pull up a chair in front of that young man and sit knee to knee with him, maybe even grab him by the hand, look him in the eyes. What's the one piece of advice you're going to give him? Hmm. 
let it happen as God designs. Mm. It's not, don't force it, don't rush it. You know, I mean, at that point in my journey, I was just in awe of the opportunity and, uh, and felt unworthy and humbled by the privilege. Um, but I think I would tell him, don't be in a hurry. Mm. You know, just walk with God into the future. Amen. Amen. That's a good word for all of us, I think. Uh, Pastor Bill, thank you so much for your generosity of time and for your commitment to the local church and for all the things and ways that God is using you. It's It's been my absolute privilege to mm -hmm. chat with you today. Thank you, Tony. It's great to get acquainted with you and may God multiply your impact in his kingdom into the lives of so many, all your listeners and beyond. And thank you for the privilege of getting to share a bit of our journey too. Wow. I love this conversation with Bill. I love his heart for the local church. I love his wisdom. You know, one of the things I realize in my own life is that sometimes I don't sit down with people who've uh, further down the road than I am. And so I, I loved Pastor Bill's heart. I love what he talks about spiritual maturity. I think it's an important reminder for all of us. Guys, I'm so thankful for you, for our conversation today, for the opportunity to connect if you want to connect with me online, the best place to do it is on Instagram at TWMILT, TWMILT. And remember, guys, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.